This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Revelation chapter 3, as we look at our Lord's letter to the church of Sardis. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up! Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus gives us a wake-up call, is the title of today's message from Revelation 3, 1-6. to Jesus, in this series, Dear Church, is writing a letter to the church there in Sardis. And we see that Jesus gives a wake-up call in five ways. First, by speaking through his messenger. Second, by calling things as they really are. Third, by showing the path back to himself. Fourth, by giving a stern warning to heed. And fifth, by promising rewards to the faithful. In these five ways, Jesus is giving the church then and the church now a wake-up call. Have you ever received a wake-up call? You might go to a hotel and you know you have to get to the airport by a certain time or you'll miss your plane. And you say, please give me a wake-up call at 6 a.m. And sure enough, at 6 a.m., the phone rings and you think, oh, I'm so exhausted. I just want to sleep in. I'm going to ignore that wake-up call. Then it rings again, and you ignore it again. If you keep on ignoring it, guess what? You're going to miss your plane. But if you listen to it and you wake up, you'll make it on time. Well, this is even more important than a wake-up call to get to the airport to get home on time. We need to wake up because Jesus is speaking today. How many believe that Jesus speaks today? I see 100% of hands raised up. You believe Jesus speaks today. Now, how does Jesus speak today? Certainly, he speaks through his word. He is the word of God, 
and he speaks through his word, the word of God. And we read in Acts, uh, Hebrews, um, the first chapter, these encouraging words, where it says that in the final days, in the last days, Jesus is the final word. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his word, by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him also he made the universe. So in the past, God spoke through our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So Jesus is the living word, and he points to the written word. Jesus speaks through the word of God, the Bible today. But you know how else Jesus speaks today? Through his messengers. And his messengers are pastors. When it says to the angel or messenger of the church in Sardis, write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, the messenger and the stars that Jesus holds in his hands are pastors. So it's my responsibility to listen to the word of God, to study the word of God, and to present the word of God so that you hear Jesus. And anything I say that is not of the Lord, just discard it and disregard it. But consider what I'm saying from God's word as the Lord talking to all of us. Because God speaks today through his messenger. And also he speaks today by his spirit. Notice it says, to him who holds the seven spirits. A better translation is the sevenfold spirit of God. What is the sevenfold spirit of God? The sevenfold spirit of God refers to Isaiah 11, verse 2, where it says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. So the Holy Spirit, seven is the number of completeness, and to say sevenfold spirit is to refer to the completeness of the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of the Lord, as well as the Spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, strength, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. The sevenfold spirit is the complete spirit, the Holy Spirit. So notice verse 6, that he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So God inspired the Bible by the Holy Spirit, illuminates the Bible by the same Holy Spirit, and every believer has the Holy Spirit living inside of him or her so that we can understand the Word of God. God speaks today through the Word of God, through the messengers of God, by the Spirit of God. Amen? And he's speaking to a specific location and that location is Sardis. And this is very important for us to understand. Sardis seemed to be an impenetrable city because it was 1,500 feet up from the five crossroads that led to it. So it was a great place of commerce, but it only had one road that led up to it. When the five roads converged, there was one road that led 1,500 feet up to where the city was. And so it seemed impenetrable. 
But two times in the history of Sardis, it was conquered. And you know why? Because the watchmen were asleep at the wheel. They were not watching where they should have been, and people were able to get up into this impenetrable city and conquer it two times in his history. Now, this is important because Jesus is about to say, you need a wake-up call because you're asleep, and if you don't wake up, you will be conquered by the enemy. That's important. Also, Sardis was a place where they manufactured wool, and they were able to dye the wool. So when Jesus promises a reward at the end, that I will clothe you with white garments, they can totally relate to that because they were a place that was uh, clothing other people. And they wanted, of course, the divine clothing the Lord would provide. Let's look then at the second point, which is this. When Jesus gives a wake-up call, he calls things as they are. In Revelation 3.1, he says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. And also in Revelation 3.2, he says, For I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. So Jesus, speaking to this church, this local church there at Sardis, is saying, you may have a big building, you may have a pipe organ, you may have uh, uh, people finely dressed, and you might even do good deeds for your community, but you're spiritually dead. That is, you don't know me. You don't have a genuine faith. You have the reputation without the reality. You have the form without the force. You have the image without the intimacy with me. There's no genuine spiritual life. So this church was going through the religious motions, but did not have a personal faith in Christ. It's possible for a church to be um, a building and a set of religious rites that really is detached from the Lord himself. And that's why it's important for us to make sure and to examine ourselves that we are in the Lord. We want to be spiritually alive through faith in Christ, and we want to serve him and uh, complete the assignments he gives us. I was blessed to read how here in Revelation 3:2, for I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Some churches say, oh, we're done. We don't have to reach the whole city because we've got our four and no more lock the door. And that's not the attitude the Lord wants us to have. The church is the only organization that exists for its non-members. That is, we have not finished doing our job until we have shared the gospel with everyone in our town and beyond. So we're to make disciples of all nations. And the Lord is with us in that important task. Jesus calls things as they are. Churches may pretend that they're strong, that they're healthy, that they are vibrant, that they are doing the Great Commission, but the Lord sees through it all, and he says, no, you are in the dying process, you're in a coma, in ICU, 
and you need help. You need a wake-up call because you're sound asleep and the enemy is going to take over. Wake up. The good thing about Jesus' wake-up call is that he shows us the way back. He says, this is how you can wake up, how you can come back to me. And it says here in chapter 3, verses 2 and 3a, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. So there are five things that uh, Jesus is saying to the church at Sardis in terms of the process to come back. First of all, they're to wake up. They are to uh, assess their current condition. Too many times we're going downhill. We're slip sliding away from the Lord and we don't even take time to assess our spiritual condition. Wake up and smell the coffee. Where are you with regards to the Lord? Are you walking with him? Are you loving him? Are you worshiping him? Are you obedient to his word? Are you sharing the gospel with others? Where are you? Are you intimate with him in prayer and in listening to him through the Bible? Or have you slip-slidden away and you have grown cold and there's dust on your Bible? A dusty Bible leads to a dirty life. And so we must break the bread of life, and be in it daily. Wake up. And secondly, strengthen what remains. You do have some embers. You know, when I was in Boy Scouts, we would uh, uh, go to bed with our um, campfire still burning, and maybe during the night when we'd get up, we'd throw an extra log on it. But by morning time, it was just embers. And you'd take... Uh, some smaller wood, tinder, and you would put on the embers and you would blow on the embers and the embers would ignite the tinder and then you could start putting bigger wood on it until you put the logs on it and then you could cook breakfast. Well, your faith may have gone from a bonfire to just a few embers. Strengthen what remains. Blow on those embers of faith of those embers of obedience, of those embers of devotion to the Lord, and stoke them back up to a bonfire. And if you've never trusted in Christ, trust in Christ and begin this wonderful journey of knowing him. And Jesus goes on to say, Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, hold it fast and repent. Now what's interesting is, that by this time, this is 30 to 40 years after um, the establishment of this church, the canon was practically completed. In other words, the Gospels were written, many of the epistles were written, and they had the Word of God. And what John is, Jesus is saying to this church is, remember to hold fast to the Word of God. To hold fast to it is to obey it. Remember the word and obey the word. That's the way back to the Lord. So you're going on in life and uh, you're on the freeway of life 
and God is blessing you on that freeway. Then you take an exit ramp and you go your own way. God says the way back is to repent. And when you turn and you come back on the road of blessing and you obey the word of God, you experience that fellowship with him, that joy and peace that comes from walking with him. So remember the word you have received and obey it. And this is the formula for revival. It's good to guard our spiritual heritage, but we must not embalm it. It's not enough to be true to the faith and have a great history. The faith must produce life and the fruit of good deeds unto the Lord. Now here's a perfect parallel to this passage. It's Romans 13, 11 to 14. The Apostle Paul writes, understand the present time. And aren't we in the last days? All right, if you don't know that we're in the last of the last days before Christ comes back, wake up and smell the coffee, because we are. Understand the present time, Paul writes in Romans 13, 11. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Don't fall asleep at the wheel, in other words. Because our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. Christ's return for us and the fulfillment of our salvation, the full redemption of the sons and daughters of men, will happen when Christ returns. We'll receive our glorified bodies. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. I want you to notice the put off and the put on. Put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Because we're in the last of the last days, we have to be the opposite of asleep at the wheel. We have to be watchful and prayerful. We need to be alert. We need to be focusing in on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, and growing in Christ-likeness, clothing ourselves with the character and conduct of Christ, even more so in these last of the last days. When Jesus gives this wake-up call, he seriously warns you and me. Revelation 3, 3b, he says, but if you do not wake up, if you do not uh, strengthen what remains, if you don't remember the word, if you don't obey the word, if you don't repent and break patterns of sinfulness, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Now, Jesus is speaking specifically to this church in Sardis, I'm going to come and attack you and from the angle you're not even looking at, and I will bring sudden destruction uh, to you. And this is a word to us, that we are thinking we're getting away with murder by uh, sinning like the devil, and uh, the Lord will judge. It's not the, speaking of his second coming or his rapture, it's talking about uh, judgment. So if we do not wake up, if we continue to um, traffic in worldliness, he will come and he will discipline us. Finally, wake up. 
Jesus promises reward to you and me. Revelation 3, 4 to 6, Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. So even though the majority of the people at the church of Sardis were spiritually dead, they were the chosen frozen, they, they thought they were chosen, but they were frozen in faith, they did not have faith, there were a few, a remnant, that were genuine believers, that were spiritually alive, that did not compromise, and their garments, that is their character, was undefiled and was pure and holy before the Lord. And when the Lord looks out at this congregation, I'm sure he's looking at many of you who have not soiled your garments, and he wants to give you a white garment and walk with you. This is a wonderful promise that he's going to walk with you and give you a white garment. Of course, the white garment is the righteousness of Christ that you received when you trusted him, but you will have a a physical white robe when you're walking with the Lord in heaven. So, an interesting thing about the name Sardis, the name of this town, is that Sardis means remnant. The Lord has always had a remnant. Even when there's a liberal, dead church, he seems to have a few evangelical, Bible-believing Christians who have faith in the Lord uh, that are part of that church. There's a real church within the dead church, and that's what we have here in this situation. And Jesus promises to the faithful ones you will be rewarded. You'll fellowship with me. You'll walk with me. You'll be present with me. And you'll be dressed in my white robe of righteousness, for you are worthy. Then he goes on to expand this promise. The one who's victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Now, at this point, someone is saying, thank you, pastor, for telling us the promise of reward that the Lord has for the faithful, that they will be dressed in white robes. But now I have trouble with verse 5. It says, I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. What if a Christian has not been faithful? Is this talking about how our name might be blotted out of the book of life? Well, I'm glad you asked about that, because let me explain. That the book, that the that countries used to have citizen roles, that is, a list of all their citizens. If you're a member of that country, you're on their roll as a citizen. So when a person is born, their name is on the roll of life. If they do not trust in Christ, their name is blotted out of that role. But if they trust in Christ, their name is in the book of life. Come Revelation 20, the great white throne judgment, there's going to be a checking of the book of life. And anybody whose name is not written in the book of life will be cast into hell. Revelation chapter 20. So when you trust in Christ, you have your name written in the book of life of life. The Lamb's book of life is the book of 
all believers. Will your name ever be blotted out of the Lamb's book of life? The answer is no. You've been saved by grace. You're being kept by grace. You'll be glorified by God's grace, and you will be worshiping him forever. We praise God for that. So here, what Jesus is reassuring these victorious Christians is that their name will always stand. Their name will always remain. Their name will be permanently uh, in the book of life. And the Lord will acknowledge them. So the, the letter of Jesus to the church at Sardis ends with this. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The question here is, did the church listen to Christ? And we have reason to believe from history that the church at Sardis did listen to the Lord. How do we know? Because in the second century, we find that the bishop of Sardis is Melito. Melito was a pastor. He was a, an apologist, that is, a defender of the faith. And he even wrote some commentary on the book of Revelation. So in other words, God put a good star at that church, um, a vibrant, uh, Bible-believing, Christ-centered pastor, and that church came alive. Now, some people believe that the seven churches represent seven periods in church history, and that the church at Sardis represents the Reformation, that the church was dead. The uh, Catholic church that... uh, sold indulgences so people could uh, cut their years in purgatory, um, was challenged by Martin Luther, who said, the just shall live by faith, we're saved by faith through grace alone. And that caused a revival of the church, and the church that was on the verge of dying was resurrected. So whether you have that view or not, The answer to this question, did the church at Sardis listen to the Lord? The answer is yes, they did. But here's the more important question I have for you. If Jesus addressed this wake-up call to you, what would he want you to strengthen? If Jesus addressed this wake-up call to you and said, you're spiritually dying, watch out. Strengthen what remains. Remember what you received. Repent right now. Would Jesus need a fire alarm to wake you? Or would a quiet call do it? Let's bow in prayer. As you're bowing in prayer, listen to the Lord. He knows your spiritual condition. Are you spiritually alive? Are you spiritually dead? Have you trusted in Christ? That's the question. If you've trusted in Christ, you're spiritually alive. If you've never trusted in Christ, you're spiritually dead. You may be religious, you may go to church, but you've never trusted in Christ. Now's the time to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross so I could be forgiven. Your blood was shed so my sins could be washed away. Jesus, I trust in you right now as my Savior and Lord. Go ahead and pray that if you've never prayed that and meant it. Pray it now. 
Ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins and be your Savior and Lord. And if you are spiritually alive, but you have fallen away from the Lord, you have um, backslidden, if you've become a prodigal, return to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for falling away, for letting my spiritual condition erode so tremendously that I'm no different than a pagan. And right now I return to you. I come back to you. I thank you for your love. Thank you for the white robe of your righteousness. Thank you that you walk with me. Thank you that you will never blot my name out of the book of life. Thank you. I needed that assurance. And I'm moved by your patience and kindness towards me. Thank you, Lord, for having me back. It's good to be home with you. Father, we praise you and worship you and thank you because you are faithful. You want a pure church, a holy church. You want a church that finishes the job of making disciples of all nations. And Lord, help us to care, to reach out to the people who don't know you and to tell them about Jesus. Thank you for this church and the faithful ones who have served you for so many years and have given and prayed and and loved one another well. Bless them, Lord, with great reward now, in this lifetime, and for all eternity. I pray this in Jesus' name, with thanksgiving. Amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.